1: Now that I'm a college graduate and ready for the real world, Liberty Shirt Co. has me covered. They have the finest dress shirts made for every occasion. Job interviews, business trips, or even just a casual shirt to wear around. If you use promo code 3P during the month of September, you will get 25% off the purchase. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.LibertyShirtCo.com and use promo code 3P at checkout. That's valid all September long.
0: Good afternoon and welcome back to another episode of the 3P Podcast, Episode 2 of Season 4. we got a great episode for you guys today. I'm your host, Alex Castle, and today with me I am joined by...
2: Steven Bonazzo.
0: And Josh Ramowitz. Like we said, got a great show for you, but first, some breaking news in the world of the NFL. Another, uh, another issue for the Baltimore Ravens has occurred. Both Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters... Uh, Got hurt today. Back to back plays. The Ravens feared that it is. Same play.
1: Same play. It was the same same play. play. It was
0: the same play. Okay. I did see a tweet that said back to back, but same play where they're both, uh, the team fears that it's going to be ACL injuries, which is huge. The Baltimore Ravens already lost their star running back, J.K. Dobbins. This
1: is the fourth torn ACL. Three running backs tore their ACLs before week
0: one. It's terrible. It's terrible. So now, what it'll look like for the Ravens is Le'Veon Bell is going to be taking the helmet number one, and we'll get into that a little bit later. We'll also talk about what this means for Baltimore's defense. Marcus Peters is arguably uh, a top cornerback in the league, and he's been a huge, huge asset to this team. So we'll get more into that. Keeping it in the division, uh, all-star linebacker TJ Watt brother of J.J. Watt, is expected to sign a four-year, $112 million extension with the team. This is huge. We know that he's been a huge piece for the Pittsburgh team. Ben Roethlisberger even got a pay cut to make sure that Watt get paid. So this is huge, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. But right now, I, I want to wanted... – Wait, I just want
1: to cut you off before you go on. Sure. It. It's nice to see you. What do you mean? You've been ignoring my text all week, uh, I finally get to see you get to talk how have things' been.
2: Hey, you. Yeah, you're funny. you're a funny guy, you're a funny guy, you know that, huh?
1: I know you've been hey, through some, uh, some rough, a rough week, so I just want to check in, see how you're doing. That's it.
2: I'm, I'm still kicking for now, but okay. you know, mid, midway through October, I don't know, you know.
1: That's a generous time that you're giving
0: it.
2: Yeah, you guys might have the two Pete uh, podcast.
0: We can't let that happen. So, anyone of Stevie's teams are listening, start putting up some W's. And, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But right now, we got to talk about a team that we can all struggle with watching together. And that's the New York Yankees. Currently, they are in third place behind Boston and Tampa. And this is upsetting to see. They, they were riding a hot streak for a while. What was it? 11 games? 10 games that they were winning in a row? It was
1: a 13-game win streak.
0: 13 games. It was a couple off, but still over 10 games. And now they're starting to decline a little bit. And what even makes it worse is that our ace, our numero uno pitcher, Garrett Cole, left the game with an injury. It was the fourth inning, I believe. It's a hamstring injury. And Josh was actually the one that broke the news to me. I wasn't watching the game that night. So, Josh, I want to start with you. You were watching the game how bad did the injury look? Is this going to be a prolonging thing where the Yankees are going to have to restructure their bullpen a little bit?
1: Um, it's It didn't look bad at all. At first, I told you guys it was a hand injury because that's what they said, and it looked like he was ho- looking at his hand as if maybe it was a blister or something because he really didn't have his stuff uh, when he was pitching against Toronto. So I was like, okay, this isn't so bad if it's a hand injury. Hamstring makes me worry. But at the same time, he also walked off completely fine. So it might just be like a tightness thing where okay, maybe he might miss the next start just out of precaution. But I do worry because the Yankees have been notorious the past year or two with handling injuries. And it's been awful seeing how guys like Judge, Stanton, Chapman, Britton, Aaron Hicks, you name it, Gary Sanchez, Glaber, any guy on the current team who's been injured – it's been a lot worse than anticipated. So I, I do fear, especially this is the biggest stretch that of baseball that they're going to be playing. There's less than a month left until the postseason, and we keep slipping. So I do worry because also we haven't seen Severino back yet. Herman, who've been saying that they're close to being ready. They're close to being ready. They're close to being ready. And we haven't seen them yet. So I do worry.
2: And uh, let me just add the cherry on top. Uh, Earlier I saw Jameson Tyone was placed on the IL as well with an ankle injury.
1: I didn't see that, but that's just even worse. Like,
2: yeah. So, now, so now that
1: means Andrew Heaney's going to be in the rotation and he's going to continue to
2: lose. They need to get him off this team. I don't know why during the trade deadline, when they got Rizzo and Gallo for pretty much nothing. Okay. No, I can't say that because they did give up a lot of prospects, but it wasn't, really well-known guys or guys who you know, will make an immediate uh, impact. And then, so you still had a bunch of guys to use to get a pitcher. And, and then Cashman said he would get a pitcher at the deadline. But what makes you think Andrew Heaney is a guy that you would get? And I could see like a guy like um, Clay Holmes, I really like, who he traded for, who coming from Pittsburgh is kind of like, who is this guy? He's on Pittsburgh. Like He must not be that good. But he's got some good stuff. Um, and I feel like there's someone else too. Uh, I'm trying to remember who. Same thing, like pretty underrated acquisition in the bullpen, but um, but Andrew Heaney like is just not good. He doesn't um, have like.
1: We, we keep in mind we still have guys like Luis H- Heel and um, who's the other young guy besides Devi. Mark Schmidt, who hasn't played at all this year, who pitched in the wild card last year. There's another prospect that I'm thinking of. I can't remember. Clark Schmidt. Yes, Clark Schmidt. Okay, he's been shaky when he's been in the pros, so I get not calling him up. But Luis Hill made historic starts. I. It wasn't until last night that they called him up and probably sent him down after the game.
2: And then so – It's baffling. And, you know, and even, like, last night was the first time he allowed runs all night. Luis was still dominant. Like, Heaney just sucks. Like, it's straight-up awful. And and then it's like, you know, the last time we recorded, um, not last week, but, you know, season three, obviously the Yankees were causing us misery like they are now. So we missed that, that time where it was actually fun to watch the Yankees and fun to talk about the Yankees and good to be a Yankees fan because – as we know it, that did not last long. Well, it was like two weeks, and then now we lost five in a row, two and eight in our last ten. I mean, it's just awful. Um, and, I mean, like how do you – we made so much ground, and then we're making ground on the division with Tampa, and then we pretty much lose the home series – no, I, no, not pretty much. We did lose a home series. I mean, we got swept by Toronto, right? Or is there one more game today? There's
1: more tonight. So we definitely lost that series. We also it's lost awesome. Baltimore, the worst team in the league.
2: At home. At home.
1: A team we've dominated the past two years. Glaber was called up just in time. Glaber Day is here. Like, yeah, he's the savior because he kills the Orioles. It's the only team he actually does well against. Nothing. It was awful it's been an awful week and a half stretch they need to turn it around now joey gallo needs to start hitting the ball because it seems like it's either home run or strikeout most more more likely he strikes out than homers because i think he's only homered like maybe twice since he's been with the yankees he's batting what 130 since he's been acquired
2: um something like that very low Uh, they they
1: showed the stat yesterday i think it was around 130 which is horrendous He started with like, he came to the Yankees with like a 220 batting average. Now he's like in the 190s on the year alone. It's terrible.
0: It it seems to be a reoccurring theme with the Yankees that we get these big bats that we think are going to provide so much in the run column. And, And then they don't live up to the expectations. Now, I don't know if that's the environment of being in the Bronx. I don't know if that's management. I, I really don't know, but it's very disappointing and struggling as fans to see the Yankees make all of these headline moves, and then they can't produce. I mean, again, Baltimore, I, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Baltimore hasn't been a noticeable team since the Machado days, Adam Jones. Like, that's when I remember Baltimore. And you're losing to them at home, the, a bottom-of-the-barrel team. I mean, yeah, it, so
1: I, it, I just have a question for you before yeah, I go on with my next point. Can you name a current Oriole?
0: Yeah. Who? Um, I don't think I can. Exactly, I can. I, I
2: Trey I didn't, Mancini. I
0: didn't, I didn't mean a. Okay, him Trey the Mancini. Spot. Trey Mancini is the one name that I know. Okay. Cedric I, Mullins. All right. Well, I I knew you knew. I wanted to put Castle on the spot. Okay, and, I, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll you, shut up. I'll can shut can up. And you, you exposed me. I Baltimore is not a team that I'm not too familiar with, but I still think that the point is valid that they're not a team that we should be losing to, which which, exactly. brings, me, which brings me to my next point. We've talked about this a lot, we, you know, since the beginning of the season, since he had his, his off-field uh, health issue and what that was going to bring. Is Aaron Boone, is he done after the season? I mean, can, can this guy continue to be trusted? I mean, you know, do you, do you think that this recent struggle and the ups and downs with all these players, do you think Boone is responsible or is it the pressures of the culture of, of wearing the pinstripes?
2: It's funny because this group is on paper designed to win and win a, win a World Series. And they haven't yet. They haven't even really come that close because yes, we made it to the ALCS a few times, but we've lost. It's not like we never even made it to the World Series. The this we made is the ALCS. And you think, like, Girardi brought them to that first ALCS, and then, I mean, these guys were so young. I mean, that was, like, Judge's, like, first full year in the league. Gary, same thing, like, first full year, you know, he because he played, what, like, uh, half a season, a little more than half a season the year before
1: he got called up in like July around there.
2: Yeah. So, you know, those guys were young. So it's like, really, they weren't supposed to be there, but then the way they did it and then Boone came in and, you know, we've had some really good regular seasons, but then the playoff hasn't been there. And then this year, obviously he's been really, I wouldn't say up and down it has been more down with some crazy ups, you know? I, I think majority of the season, they had played awful and not and have not been impressive okay. at all.
1: Up until the trade deadline, I really didn't think of the Yankees going into the postseason at all. That we made the trades. Rizzo looked like a stud immediately carrying the team because he looked like the best, the best hitter we had, which is incredible. No discredit to Anthony Rizzo at all, but he was just on something else. Then we go on that massive win streak that lasted basically – three week three four weeks of just winning and now September, the most important month of baseball, they can't buy a game. And I think it does fall on uh, Aaron Boone.
2: And the thing is too, it's like you know, to be honest, I'm for um someone else. I, I don't I haven't liked what I've seen from Boone at all this season. And the only reason why I'm somewhat hesitant is you know, is all this constant change a good thing? You know, now these guys are, you know, Judge is going to be approaching 30 within the next couple years. Gary Sanchez, same thing. You know, Rizzo's already, well, you know, he's already 30, what, two? You know, Cole's, I think, is it, isn't it today Cole's birthday? He turned 30 today? I think it yeah.
1: was his 30th birthday.
2: Or, you know, it, it was one of these days, so happy birthday, Gary Cole, but at the same time.
1: Cole oh, soon, please, we need you.
2: Yes. Please. Um, So the thing is, is all this, you know, bringing in a whole new, like, it doesn't have to be a whole new staff, but it's bringing in someone new, going to set us back a little bit. I mean, it's not like football necessarily, or um, basketball, even, you know, where you call them plays and stuff like that. I mean, pretty much you just have to put a lineup together and get all those other coaches to help you. And plus with the Yankees lineup, you know, the way they should be playing, like it's pretty easy where to, place guys you know it's not like you you only have a few stars and it's like where do I play I mean you got a lot of big name guys up and down that lineup so to be honest I don't think it would it would necessarily set them back but at the same time it's never good to have new coaches and new players constantly coming in because then you just can't get in that rhythm can't build that chemistry and I mean, that's why I believe the Yankees were so so successful with Joe Torre and that team because you had that core that was there for how long and then Joe Torre himself was there for how long and the amount of success they had was just unbelievable and that's why the Yankees were the Yankees then. And then Joe Girardi took over and same thing, that core was still there for a little while and they won and stuff like that. But then once the players changed, even though Girardi stayed, it was tough. And then... Now that these guys were coming in and Girardi's gone, now he had to adjust to someone new. And Boone and Girardi, in my opinion, are very different style managers. You know, is fiery, in your face, um, kind of like old school. Boone is, you know, he'll get in your face, but he's more laid back, reserved, and more um, with the analytics. So, as much i so i think the best bet is to go with someone new but you do have to think about the other side in my opinion
1: agreed i think there's been a lot of success with aaron boone as the coaching uh as the manager in the regular season but that means nothing because when we're when you're a yankee fan you expect championships and we haven't had that in over a decade which is why i do agree that a manager change needs to be made. And that manager, I think, should be CeCe Sabathia. I think he'd be the perfect fit as the Yankees' manager. He brings that fiery energy. And, yeah, Boone does too. He already knows the players. He knows the clubhouse. And it really wouldn't be that much of a change, maybe in culture, for the better. But I think that would be something that Yankee fans would be excited about immediately and can continue are winning ways which we really haven't had in quite some time and cc was there for those winning days
2: it's funny you see cc i mean that is that is an interesting guy because he's a leader and he will speak his mind and he will make sure like he will do what it takes to win and Um, and he's got a lot of experience with many different teams. And then obviously he was on the Yankees and Yankees mean a lot to him. You know, he, he loves suiting up in those pinstripes. So to be honest, I don't really think about a guy like CC, but I think that would actually be a pretty good fit. Um, because obviously not every legend or hall of famer or former player is going to fit, um, as a manager, you know, like David Ross with the Cubs.
1: I think, th- yeah, I think that could fit. He he's just was given a bad dealt at, like, the wrong time. Because they're clearly, like, on the early rebuild mode. Build, like, he joined the club, and now they trade away their stars. Like, that's not on him. But I think – No,
2: but even when he had those guys, they weren't, like – You know, Javi wasn't putting up the kind of season that – I mean, granted, it's not like David Ross is controlling Javi, but the lineup wasn't as um, – intimidating as it once was, you know? So, but I kind of like the CC idea, or I'm trying to think, I mean, I'm a big Mark Desherry guy, but I don't know if he's a good.
1: You think of CC and what he meant to that team. He, when he walked in the room in the the clubhouse, everyone listened to him. It's like Jeter, but I think CC, because he's just bigger as a person, it's more, not intimidating, but you just shut up if you're talking and he walks in you just shut up and listen because what he says like you want to hear and i think the yankees at this point need someone like that i really don't get that vibe with aaron boone yeah aaron boone will yell at an umpire stick up for his players but every manager that's on a winning team should be able to do that that shouldn't be what makes aaron boone like when we think of aaron boone if this is his last year with the Yankees, what we'll remember him as is a manager. He'll stick up for his players, which is great, but every manager should be able to do that. But there's nothing else that really separates him besides that.
2: Imagine uh, CC, uh, if he was a manager, whatever, whether it was with the Yankees or anywhere, and there was a call that didn't go the way, and he... Go see them. Imagine being the ump and you see CC Sabathia charging you, and that's a scary set right there. I, I would not want to be. Uh, I'm gonna be like, all right, reverse the call, reverse the call.
0: I think this this CC proposal is uh, it. It definitely took took me by surprise. Um, but I agree with both of your points. I think that the Yankees need a guy like him. Again, it kind of reminds me of the situation that the Giants and the Jets had. They both had these coaches who didn't show any passion, who clearly didn't have the full respect of their teams, and they turn over a new leave. I mean, the Jets got more of a, a younger guy than the Giants did, but still, they're guys that want that you want to win for them. They're coaches that you want to win. And I think Sabathia can do that. And I do think that Boone does not carry himself in that way. However, Stevie made this point earlier. And I I kind of I kind of think it's very valid for this Yankees situation. Why do you want to keep switching things up? You know, it's you're you're you spent, what is it, been two how many seasons has it been with Boone now?
2: Since like 2018, so three?
0: So so about three to four seasons, and then out of nowhere you're switching. I I think that can definitely, you know, throw some guys off a little bit, especially the bigger names that have maybe developed good relationships with Boone. I can see that, but at the end of the day, I think the Yankees do need a change. And I think Sabathia has been a great symbol to the Yankees organization, I know he's one of my favorite Yankees pitchers of all time. When I think about Yankees pitchers that I watched growing up, I think he's a fiery guy and I think he could be, I think he could be a great, a great manager to have in the city. Now, while we're on the subject of, of, of Boone and the Yankees, there's still the one pressing question that we need to, we need to discuss here. Nine and a half games behind first place. Can they do it? Can we pull through and make the playoffs? And Josh, I, I know this has been a question that has been has been burning for you to answer, so we're going to start off with you. Can they make the playoffs?
1: Playoffs, yes. Will they catch the Rays with that nine and a half games? No. I think they can easily they, – they're in a good spot right now if they keep course or get back on course to their winning ways, and they could still be in the wild card. And I do – I am optimistic – that they can still be able to get the first wild card spot and host the playoff game. Because when they were winning, when they're on their 13 game win streak, that they were like four games ahead of Boston at one point, who's the second place in the wild card. So I am optimistic that they can be in the wild card, but not. I don't think they're catching up to the Rays at this point. They, need, they would need another win streak like that, but the Rays were still winning on our win streak, so it didn't really matter.
0: Stevie, you agree? You think wild card, but not catching up to the Rays?
2: Yes. I, I mean, the Rays are just unstoppable, and if we can't beat the Blue Jays, or at least take the series from the Blue Jays and then beat the Orioles at home, you know how do you expect to catch a Rays when the Rays are crushing the Red Sox and just beating teams that they should be in, teams that even good teams are still beating. So the Rays are a good baseball team right now. They have been pretty much for the entire season going back to last season. And I don't see them slowing down And the rate that we're going at. You know, you can't keep going with these, you know, Losing streaks, and then a winning streak, and then a losing streak. I mean, you just can't. And it's kind of tough, especially in the baseball season when it's that long. But it's not going to end well for you when the team like the Rays are just consistently winning, and then you know if they lose a game here and there, even if they lose back to back, that's that's it. They're not losing five in a row like the Yankees, or even when the Red Sox were losing. Uh, you know, they had their big losing streak. Now they've somewhat. I mean, it sucked. At, I mean, not the stocks because I don't care, but for their case that they had to play the Rays, but, you know, now they're going to try. I mean, they've won the past uh, thing. They won last night, and then they might have been on a couple-game winning streak now, but still, like, for the Yankees, I see them because um, that winning streak was so huge and really made good ground that I think we can hold on to definitely the second wild card spot. Hopefully we can move into that first one um but definitely not the division so we're definitely going to be playing in the wild card round again but it is what it is as long as they can get in then a home game in the wild card would be ideal but you got to take what you can get even though this team should be a lot better than where they're at
0: i agree i think that they're going to have to pull some magic and They're going to have to be lucky that they make it to the wild card because the AL this year, not just where the Yankees, not just the Yankees division, but all over the AL is very competitive. I mean, you know, you have teams like never thought the white Sox would be first place where they are right now. And you know, the Yankees, it's going to be a long road ahead of them, but I'm optimistic. Hopefully Cole comes back from this injury and hopefully, you know, guys can just start hitting the ball. I mean, I know Josh hit on it earlier, but it's really frustrating with Gallo that he's, it's either a strikeout or a home run. We need to see more out of you, Gallo. You know, this is not the Gallo that, that we acquired from the Rangers. So something's got to, something's got to change here. And, And we'll be continuing to follow the Yankees and what's going on with, with the AL and, And once we get to October, boys, you know, October's as we know, it's a great month for baseball. So a lot of exciting baseball to come. We got to switch gears now because we are in the beginning and heading to the beginning of football season. College kicked off week one last week. A lot of big games that we're going to talk about. Um, Steve's hiding already. He's running away. One of the first games, you know, that we we have to discuss – uh, and this is, this is going to be devastating for Steve to talk about, but we have to talk about it, Steve. Week one, uh, 19 Penn State, 12 Wisconsin. Penn State wins by six. Steve went, um, went into
1: Wisconsin. You, you forgot that part.
0: This, the game was in Wisconsin, so the Nittany Lions beat the Badgers on their home turf. Wisconsin was the higher-ranked team. I'm not as knowledgeable about college football as these two gentlemen, but I do know that Wisconsin has been the more premier program the past few seasons. So Steve, what's your takeaway from this first game, my friend?
2: The same problem Wisconsin had, I already deal with the bears. I don't need to, to deal with like this. And all I miss is Jonathan Taylor. But, all right, so Graham Mertz, four star recruit, highest quarterback recruit in Wisconsin history, supposed to be the savior of this program. Last year, the season started so late, started like the week before Halloween. He goes like 20 for 21. He had like one incompletion, 250 yards, and like five touchdowns. Beautiful. Then the next weekend's Michigan, not as many yards, but a couple of touchdowns, precise. Blah, win, beautiful. Then he gets COVID. Well, oh, no, no. Did he even play the second game? Because um, he got COVID after one of the weeks. Whatever. No, he got COVID after that first game, and then he the their games got um canceled, and a few of them, whatever. But then after that Michigan game, he sucked. I think whatever, that's COVID season. The whole season was already, like, especially with the Big Ten, just a disaster. From the get-go. But this season, you know, in a full offseason, he was training all offseason. You had all your weapons back. We got this uh, transfer from Clemson, the running back, Ches who looked phenomenal on Saturday. And the offense just doesn't show up or passing. I mean, we ran the ball pretty well. Um, I mean, Musi had over 100, had like 130 yards. Isaac Rendo, the backup. Well, shouldn't be backup. Julian Berger should be the backup. I mean, he was our leading rusher last year, true freshman, four-star recruit, and you don't play him at all. You don't play him in a single snap. That pissed me off, Paul, Chris. Paul, Christ, Chris, whatever your name is. That pissed me off. I don't know how you sit him on the bench when you can't get anything going. Maybe he busts a long run. You don't know. He did a few times last year as a true freshman. Give him a shot, but no. And my problem with Wisconsin is that they just play like, guys with experience, you know, guys who've been in this program. Why is Jack Dunn, a five, like 10 white slot receiver from Madison, Wisconsin playing over these new recruits that we just got that are supposed to be pretty athletic, pretty highly rated. You know, one of them was a decommit from Michigan, and Michigan usually gets some pretty good uh, receivers. And you're not even trying these guys out, but you'll have... You know, he's not a threat in the red zone. He's not a threat downfield. So, yes, I like Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor on the outside. And uh, Chimere, DK, whatever. I'm sorry if I'm, you know, butchering his name. But, you know, those three are solid. But then the backups... Or the tight end. I mean, you know, the backup, I don't even know who he is. You have younger guys who, again, more highly recruited and rated, but this guy's just been in the program longer, so you're going to play him? No. You think Ohio State's doing that? No. They're playing the best guys out there. Or Defensively, I mean, granted, we looked pretty good on defense for the most part, but, uh, I mean, half the time, you know a couple times our secondary got burned, and those guys were older, but get some of those young bucks out there. Who are probably more athletic than half of these older guys, but these older guys are just playing because they're older, you know? I don't know. I just, they try to follow the same kind of model that Wisconsin football has been, and I get that. But at the same time, yes, you have won a decent amount, but you still haven't won what everyone wants to win in the national championship. If you look at Alabama and you look at Wisconsin, completely different. Teams. I mean, granted, obviously, but Wisconsin not gonna get all those five stars like Alabama. But you got to get more athletes. You can't just continue to get power, power, power. I mean, this this game now is just more speed. You will know, get some power, but you need more speed in them. Wisconsin lacks that, and it's showing. And, that, uh, you know, in the athletic ability of guys, it's showing. And I hope for Graham Mertz too that he. He turns around because I like him and not giving up on him after that one week, but I already, dealt, I already deal with this in Chicago. I don't need to deal with this in Wisconsin because Wisconsin would always be my uh, way to, like, I mean, granted, they played before the Bears, but it was like, all right, they would put up 45, no problem. Jonathan Taylor would have 230 rushing yards and two touchdowns, and the receivers would do, you know, defense would be well, You know, playing well, and we would win 45 to 7, 10. 14, whatever, and then I watch my Bears and then they just suck. But now I got to deal with both. Wisconsin can't move the ball. And then on defense, you allow some big plays. Like, they got to they gotta turn it around. Um, I mean, jump around was sick, though. That was fun to watch. But that was about it. You know, and there was such an electric atmosphere and crowd, especially that first game. And that's, that's a product you give after, especially after last season ended and you've been waiting, especially that big first game, it was against a Big Ten opponent, Minnesota lost, so you could take the Big Ten West already with first game in a ranked, top 25 ranked matchup, and then you get that product. I just, piss poor, awful, you know, and they better turn it around soon because I'm not watching that again, and I better stop because, you know, I got more rants to go on, and so I can't keep going on this one.
0: I um, – no, I, I think that's I, – I think you're making a fair point. I mean, it sounds to me like Wisconsin is stuck with – or I should say comfortable with, the, with, with power. You know, I mean, that, that's what Jonathan Taylor provided. He's a big power back. And I think if you're one of the premier programs – in college football and you're not getting the results, then you need to take a risk. I mean, Wisconsin can easily be getting these athletes. You're telling me that if you're a young a young athlete that, okay, maybe you're getting some mid-division one offers, but then out of the blue you get Wisconsin, you're not going to take it, you know? So I think Wisconsin's got to be a little more bold with their recruitment. Uh, and, yeah, and- go, go ahead, Steve. Well, I'm not saying,
2: you know, and then between the classes of – 2019 and like 2020, those are the highest ranked like classes in Wisconsin history, you know? So why can't these guys, why can't you put them on the field? I mean, let them get adjusted, but if they offer you, you know, if they're high recruits, they're, they play the game at a high level. They, they should be able to adjust to this game. Well, I mean, like you, like Alabama, Ohio state Clemson. I mean, they're these five star, four star guys. they they're putting them in right away because they know that, Damn! Damn! We got these guys, and granted, you know, usually they get those kind of guys. But he's a five star for a reason. Not now. Listen, not every five star works out, but you can't keep like getting three star guys and developing them, and you know, hopefully they go, you know, or do really well, like a TJ Watt, Jonathan Taylor, JJ Watt, Russell Wilson. It's good for you know some guys. But start playing those four-star guys, five-star guys, not just the veteran guys because, you know, it's more uh, respectful or just because, you know, they did their time, now it's their time. No, you want to win. You're a college program. You know, you want the best guys to play for you, and you want to win and put your school on the map and name on the map, and obviously the coaches want to keep their job, and you want to keep this you know, you really want to brand the school, then play the best guys and not just veteran guys or not just local guys or play the best guys. And I just personally, from what I saw, I think that other, now granted, I'm not in practice. I'm not seeing it, but, you know, I I look on the ratings, like the 24-7 sports, and I look at the ratings and the team rankings and all that. And, you know, I see some of the guys that they got, and I liked some of them. And then, you know, I would have tried to follow them on all the different, <clears throat> well, sorry, I was joking, follow them on all the different Wisconsin accounts, And, you know, they looked pretty impressive to me. So the fact that they're not even, they don't have to play the entire game, but the fact that they're not getting any sort of time, any burn is a little frustrating. And listen, all my credit goes to Penn State. They, uh, you know, they balled out. They put their best guys out there. Jahan Dotson's a problem. Sean Clifford's got to clean some stuff up, but I think he'll be a pretty good quarterback in this conference. And that defense, I mean, that defense looked good. That defense looked fast, athletic. And to be honest, that was the difference between the game. Our defense gave up a little bit and theirs didn't. Theirs bended but never broke. Ours stood pretty, for, uh, pretty firm, but it broke a few times. And that was the difference.
0: Sounds like the the Badgers have a long way to go this season, but we got to be optimistic. Like we've covered, they are a very high-ranked team, one of the more premiered teams, and hopefully they can turn around. Hopefully, you know, one bad game is not going to slump their season. Um, but we do have to talk about the opponent, and I know this is going to be tough for you, but Josh is, is a Penn State fan, a uh, very recent Penn State fan. Uh, got off the Clemson wagon, which – Looks to me like he got off at a good time, losing to Georgia. That was a pretty tough loss for them. So, Josh, what did you like from this Penn State team? Penn State has had has had some flashes of very, very high potential, but they haven't really they haven't been what they used to be, in my opinion. So, what do you see going into the season after this game against Wisconsin?
1: I mean, that was a dom that was not a dominant win, but that was a very good, very good defensive effort all around. I think the defense really, really stepped up when they needed to. Uh, Graham Mertz, right? That's his name, Steve?
2: Yeah, it is.
1: He looked nervous and rattled in the pocket. He caused two fumbles alone just on handoffs, which was pretty embarrassing to see because that just looked like him and the running back just weren't on the same page, which – I don't know whose fault that would go on, Um but for your sake, Steve, hopefully they clean that up in practice. But that should have been cleaned up pretty early on, so that's pretty concerning to see that. And Wisconsin just in the red zone looked awful. The two costly interceptions in the red zone with potentials to win the game twice with less than a minute is just – Oh, that's just – got to capitalize there. No matter the level, you're in the red zone. You have golden opportunities to score. You do such a good job being able to push the ball down the field from special teams work to your offense being able to score and move the ball. Then your last 20 – not even, last five yards to go, two interceptions right there. And, I mean, it was a hell of a defensive effort from Penn State. They're on the field for 42 minutes out of 60. It's a long time to be on the field. And, just like you said, Steve, they bended but never broke. They stepped up at the right time. And I really like what I saw. Um, and, yeah, Castle, you mentioned I'm a new, newly acquainted Penn State fan. I'm going to be seeing them play in person this weekend, so I'm excited for that. Steve, I mean, the road gets a little easier in the next couple of weeks for Wisconsin, but you know who's eh. going to be waiting for you towards the end of the season because Big Ten play will kick up, will ramp up very soon.
2: Well, we, we have Notre Dame and then Michigan.
1: This week you got, no, you got yeah. Eastern Michigan. No, no, we got
2: Eastern Michigan, but we got Notre Dame at Soldier Fields. That'll be Yeah, fun. and then. And then we'll go against Jack Cohn, our former quarterback at Wisconsin. And, of course, I mean, he just sets a Notre Dame um, passing record for first game as a Notre Dame QB. And um, it looked good and led them to victory. So it never fails. It never fails. But whatever. You know, just like Castle, like you said, you've got to remain optimistic. But, I mean, to be honest, though, like – teams like Alabama, Georgia, their offense has stepped up a little bit. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. You think Clemson's going to bounce back after this?
1: Honestly, I wouldn't even put Clemson in that category anymore. I consider it in tiers. I think Bama's in their own tier. I don't even think anyone's on their level. Then I'd say Georgia, Ohio State. Would be the next tier down.
0: Maybe. Notre Dame,
2: I would say Notre Dame's a good team. Yeah, they really I mean, are.
0: Notre they, Dame didn't, didn't they didn't they just uh beat Florida State at home? Yep. But that but that Eric, was a that was down of the wire. Florida State really should
1: have won that game.
0: Yeah. Florida um, State
1: should have won that. Their coach really messed that up. Um I mean he Ellis he he iced I, his own kicker. Uh, he should have
0: won Florida State should have won that game. You know, you, you talk about these tiers and teams, you know, sliding and going up. It's very interesting to see the first uh, games of the season for LSU um, and for Clemson after they've been without their, their star quarterbacks. I mean, LSU losing to unranked UCLA. I don't think anyone expected that. And then... Clemson losing to Georgia. Clemson only put up three points, and that's their first Clemson game. looked
1: horrible, and that
0: was their first game without Trevor Lawrence. So, I think there's a lot of a lot to come this season for college football, and even for not the big name teams. I'm going to throw my team out there for a quick second. Rutgers, you know, I'm always been a Rutgers fan. Uh, it's the return of Greg Schiano. He's been He's been the coach that Rutgers has needed. I mean, I don't know if you guys have followed his career. He was with Rutgers. Then he coached Tampa for a little bit, and now he's back. And Scarlet Knight Nation goes hard for that man, and he deserves it. He's so passionate, and he brings a lot to the school. And, look, I know Temple's not, you know, a huge team, but they've had their name thrown around for a couple years. And I haven't seen Rutgers put up that many points since, I think, they played Michigan, I think, a season or two ago. So I'm 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 optimistic for Rutgers going into the season. Uh, I think they're going to have another good game next week. Hopefully, you boys should be excited about what's coming up. Uh, Penn State's going up against Ball State,
1: and, and then like, all, and then Auburn the week after.
0: Oh, that's going to be a great game. That's the whiteout like, game for Penn State. Oh, that that's a great.
1: And they're both ranked right now. Auburn's twenty-five.
0: For those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, the whiteout game at Penn State is one of the most exciting games of all of college football. It's sold out. The, From
1: all of sports, I think you could add in all yeah. sports.
0: I mean, they go nuts. And I haven't had the pleasure of going. Josh, are you, did you, y- Josh? We, will we, don't having,
1: t- we don't have tickets, but we're g- still going to Penn State.
0: So Josh will be experiencing the energy there. I'm actually going to be going to my first Penn state game in October against Indiana. So I'm very hyped about that. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a very interesting season for college football. A lot of good guys entered the NFL from last season and we're going to keep following our teams and we're going to keep following all of these great. I just
1: want, before we wrap up college football, I think the the game to watch this week and it'll be a, I think it'll be a challenge for them. Ohio state might get tested this week. They've got Oregon this week. Oregon, the Oregon Ducks are coming to town, and if he is playing, they have the projected like top five pick, uh, Clavon, uh, Clavon Thibodeau. Thibodeau, yeah. If he's clear to play, he's a beast. He's like the next up and coming Miles Garrett, and he's like very high on everyone's draft board. Um, so if if he is clear to play, I know he's battling like an ankle injury, but if he's clear to play, that's gonna be a fun game to watch.
0: Now, would you say that that was the reason why they were so close to Fresno State? Fresno State, another big team of mine uh, that I follow, they're unranked. Yeah, he he got hurt in that (laughs) game, I believe. Okay, so that could – because I was going to say, if they kept it close with Fresno State, the game with Ohio State could be even more interesting. So, But that injury could definitely be accredited to why the game was so close.
2: I think I think Ohio State's going to run away, no problem. I, I really do, especially if Tabor does the Think about right?
1: Wisconsin. So I don't know if how valid your opinions have been lately.
2: Hey, well, I mean, listen, Ohio State—they got like I think the best receiving duo in the nation, in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson.
1: Minnesota gave them a challenge, though.
2: The, the defense is definitely not what it used to be, but I don't think Oregon's offense is anything special. I don't like their quarterback, I believe is Anthony Brown. I haven't really seen too much of him. Um, I mean, once Herbert left, they've kind of had trouble replacing him. So I listen, it'll be a good game, but it's also in Columbus. So you know it's not like it's in Eugene if it was in Eugene then it's a different story, but they got to go to Columbus. We'll see. It'll, hopefully it'll be a good game though. Is that the um, it's not college game day though, but is that like the primetime game?
1: I believe so, yeah.
2: Uh, or at least on one of the channels.
0: Oh, boy. Well, so. we, we, it's safe to say that we have a lot of good college football coming up. It's going to be a very, very interesting season. I've already liked what I've seen from some of these games. Love the discussions that we had. I think this show, uh, we're, we're going to be giving a lot of good uh, insight to college. We've got to talk about the NFL Boys, the season has arrived. Very, very exciting stuff. I can't wait for football to come back starting tonight. I know you guys are excited. We got to talk about these Sunday games, man. There's a lot, th- there's a lot of good games going on. Um, you know, we got the Jets playing the Panthers. I'm sure Josh will give his insight to that in a little bit. It's Darnold's return to MetLife, which I'm very excited.
1: Oh, no, Jets are in Carolina.
0: Giants Over are home. Over in Carolina.
1: Yeah, Giants are home this week.
0: That's right. That would make more sense. So the Jets are going to, to – The first
1: Carolina. time
0: – yeah, they'll be facing the first off at, at Darnold's. Okay. Darnold is still facing the Jets. So there's, there's, there's still something there to talk about. Steve and,
1: Ga- and Adam Gase will not be in attendance. So that, that helps. Oh,
0: then – you know what? Then may- maybe Darnold won't be seeing ghosts. Maybe, maybe under new management he won't be seeing ghosts. We got the Bears taking on the Rams, which we'll get Stevie's insight about Sunday how, night, he, baby.
1: Sunday how night football. he feels
0: about that. We got the Packers and the Saints. We got AFC East matchup with the Dolphins and the Patriots. We got my Giants playing the Broncos. Seahawks, Colts, Cardinals, Titans, a bunch of good games. Bunch of good games. It's going to be a great Sunday to open up for football. So why don't we start off, I mean... Why don't we start off with, with predictions? Uh, out of the games I mentioned, Stevie, we'll start off with you. No Bears talk yet. I know you're going to be itching for it. But out of any of the games that I, throw, that I threw out there, you see any upsets? W- what do you think about these Sunday games?
2: So the Seahawks-Colts one's interesting because I think Carson Wentz is clear to play. Yes. But I still think... Quint
0: Quentin Nelson are both clear.
2: Good. Well, good for them. Um, and good for Jonathan Taylor. Well I also have uh on fantasy. But um as do I, as do I. Yeah. But uh I, I still think Seattle, I think that should be a good game. Uh Indy's defense is solid. Seattle's offense is solid, and then Indy's defense, uh Indy's offense, you know, Jonathan Taylor's pretty solid. They have some good uh, running backs, you know, Marlon Max back and uh Naheem Hines, the line's good. But the receivers are nothing uh overly impressive just yet. They're still kind of young. And we'll see how Carson Wentz does. I mean, granted, he is coming off an injury, but it's an entirely new team, new playbook. Granted, it is Frank Reich, and Frank Reich used to coach him in uh Philly. So there's still some similarity there. But so it's kinda and then Seattle's defense is not what it used to be. So you kind of take the two of those things and and I think it'll be a pretty fair matchup because you know one offense is pretty pretty uh or pretty really good. Then one defense is pretty tough, and then you know, the other one I don't even know what I'm saying right now, but whatever. So point blank, I think Seattle will end up winning this game. Um I don't know. I have to find out if it's in Seattle. If it's in Seattle, then they're definitely gonna win. If it's in Indy, which it is in Indy, so that makes it a little more interesting, but I still think Russell Wilson is going to lead to Week One victory. I mean, and plus I saw a stat that Seattle plays really well um, in the East Coast. Not that this is Indies necessarily the East Coast, but it's not all the way out in the West Coast. Um, they play well in the Eastern Time Zone, and I think they you know usually play pretty well Week One too. So I'll give Seattle the benefit, and then. The Jets uh, Panthers game, I don't. That's, that's a kind of interesting one. I think, I think Panthers will run out with that one. And then, Castle, your Giants Broncos. Uh, that one's that one's tough because I I can kind of go both ways. I re, I think it really could go both ways. You're not giving as much the
1: Jets as, the victory. Wow,
2: you're No, saying- no. Listen, listen. I don't know. I, I just, think Carolina. The Jets have a lot of new new coach, new quarterback, a lot of new guys. So it, it's going to take, you know, a little bit. Um, you're in Carolina. It's not like you're in MetLife. So, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say they're going to lose 4 0 But I think, you know, even if it's a close game, I still see Carolina uh, running away with it. And then Denver and Giants. That's just a, such a close matchup because when I want to say – you know, the Giants' defense is good, and then I think they improved on offense. You know, then you think sometimes when you set these expectations for the Giants, then, you know, sometimes they don't always uh, – I mean, Castle, you know, they don't live up to it. Um, and then, same thing, Denver. Their defense is pretty good. They, their secondary is really strong. But how is Teddy Bridgewater going to play? How is that line going to hold up? And so I – that one can kind of be like a coin flip, you know? But it is a lot of good matchups. And then the Patriots-Dolphins uh, game. I think that one that is actually... In the past years, I'd be like, Patriots are just going to crush the Dolphins. Or or last year, it'd be like, all right, it'd be decent, but I don't know. I want, don't want to watch. But Tua, see if he took that next step and Mac Jones to watch his first ever start. um, I think that'd be a really fun. And then AFC East matchup, boom from the get-go, I think that'll be a fun matchup to watch.
0: I agree, and I'll elaborate on some of your points later, not just about the Giants, but another point that you had made about the Indianapolis-Seattle game. We'll get to that a little later. Um, Josh, any game that catches your eye for for Sunday, that upset alert or not including the Jets, we'll we'll get to our teams in in, in a minute, aside from the Jets game. Anything catches your
1: eye? Seems like Steve covered like every single game, though.
2: Now, there's one that you should talk about right now. Cleveland, Kansas City.
1: I was going to mention them as one of them. But the big one I really do, which I find it pretty big, is actually the Chargers-Washington game.
0: I was just thinking that. I'm so glad you mentioned
1: because it. Because year two, this is the sophomore year for Justin Herbert. This really is a, this is a big year for him. He had a phenomenal... Rookie year. He kinda he shocked a lot of people. Uh took the job from Tyrod Taylor last year and ran away with the starting job right away. Put up very good numbers. Now everyone is saying, so how does he come back and top that in year two? Well, he's got a challenge, week one. Washington's defense is tough, led by Chase Young, who was defensive rookie of the year last year. They've got a bunch of other ballers. Yeah, right, Chase Young was rookie last year. He was, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Unfortunately. Um, um, They've got a bunch of other really tough physical guys on that front line. And there's a reason why they were a top five defense last year. They're very dominant in both the pass and the run game. So this will be a good challenge for uh, Justin Herbert. He's got Austin Eckler. He's been questionable all week, but I assume he'll play. They've got Keenan Allen, but he lost his tight end. He lost Hunter Henry. He's got Jared Cook now. He's old, so it'll, it'll be fun to watch, and I really am excited about that matchup because I do think Justin Herbert will prove to people why he's the real deal, so I do think the Chargers will shock people and win that game. Um, they've got Derwin James back uh, as a safety. He missed all last year with an injury, so that's fun to see him back because he's one of the best when he's healthy, and then Steve wanted me to talk about the Browns chiefs game and that's as good as you're, it's going to get, that's probably, that's probably the game of the week because that's the AFC
0: championship last year. Right.
2: Um, no, uh, the, uh,
0: what? the game before the championship, I think.
2: No, oh, what was it? Oh gosh. Now I forget. Um, let me look it up.
0: Well, in, in in the meantime, while you look that up, I definitely think that that's going to be one of the top games. I really like that you brought up the Chargers-Washington game because, yeah, and might be a little biased because they're in my division, but I do think that this is going to be a test. Okay, we're, we're going to get clarification it, quickly. It was the Bills. It was oh, the it Bills. Bills. That's right. It's
1: it, oh, it it, it a rematch, though, because the, brand, the, the Chiefs beat the Browns to play the Bills.
2: And that was like very close game. Remember, really, I thought the Browns that were going to win. That
1: game came down to the final wire. It did, yeah. And if you think about it, the Browns upgraded their team. Who did they get back this year? Castle, you're you've got his jersey, I believe. They got OBJ back.
0: I don't have his jersey. Oh, I never. I just assumed trigger. every Giant
1: fan has Odell's jersey.
0: Most Giants fans that I know do. I never pulled the trigger. Yeah, he'll be back. If you ask me, I don't think he'll ever be the same. Will he be solid for Baker? Potentially. Um, But
1: they've also got some big acquisitions on defense. They've got Jadavian Clowney, who they picked up in the offseason. I'm excited to see how he fits in. because Is he what he he used to be? No. No. But he's a nice complimentary piece to, to Miles Garrett, who was the defensive player of the year last year. He was a beast. He's unstoppable. It looks like kind of what... He's, getting, he's going to be getting the Aaron Donald treatment where you need double teams every single time just to stop him, and that may still not be enough. Uh, their secondary looks very good, and they get Greedy Williams back. They drafted Greg New, uh, Newsom out of Northwestern, so that's going to be fun to watch them ball out. I really am excited to watch this game because the Chiefs, or the Chiefs, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, you know, you know the drill with them. They lost Sammy Watkins, which is a very underrated move, and they really didn't replace him. So, Nicole Hardman has to step in to that number two receiver instead of the slot, which is a big deal, playing the outside instead of the inside. He's a speedy guy, so it shouldn't be that much of a challenge. They lost Le'Veon Bell. He's now with the the Ravens. So, it's just Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which it was for the beginning of the season. But I don't – think the Chiefs will lose this, but I I do think it's gonna come down to the wire. This is gonna be a fun game in Arrowhead. So if you wanna watch some good football, make sure you tune in someday.
0: It'll it'll definitely be a challenge. That that's for sure. I really like that that defensive line in Cleveland. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be huge. Um and it's a lot of good football, a lot of good football. I think all of our teams have good matchups. We're going to go back to our ranting next week. We'll get more into our favorite teams next week. But before we end the show, for those of you who have been tuning in with us from the beginning, you know that we last season, I think we introduced it last season. We introduced a segment for all of you fantasy heads called stardom, Sit 'em. The three of us give you our opinion of two players. You should start and two players that you should sit. And we're going to first start with who we're starting. And I'm going to go first. We're going to then go Josh and then go Stevie. So my first guy that I'm telling you to start is wide receiver Debo Samuel. I really like Samuel. I think he's a solid target for Garoppolo. Brandon Ayuk has been dealing with a hamstring injury. So I think it's going to be questionable how he pans out, what his reps are going to be like. And I think because Samuel was hurt last season, he's going to be looking to come back even bigger, better, faster, and stronger. So Debo Samuel, if you got him, start him. I know I'm starting him in my flex. And then my other uh, guy that I'm starting, uh, and this is kind of going to Stevie's uh, point earlier, but contradicting it a little bit, is Seattle's defense. Now I know Stevie, you said they're a little iffy because they're not as strong as he used to be, but I say you start Seattle's defense because this they have is a scrub at safety though. I'm I'm joking. He's not a scrub. I know he's not a scrub. Jamal Adams is not what he lived up to be. I can agree with you on that. Still a solid safety. They're paying the guy like he plays like he used to. So hopefully he brings it up. But I'm not confident in Carson Wentz. He's coming off surgery. He's injury prone. It's a, new, it's a new system, a new team. Yes, he has the connection with his coach from Philly. And Quentin Nelson, the, I believe this is his first injury in his pro career. He's coming off, so we don't know what that's going to be like. And Pete Carroll is, in my opinion, one of the smartest minds in football, and I think he's really going to utilize that. So if you need a defense to pick up or if you've got them sitting in your bench and you need a swap, go with Seattle's defense. Those are my two stars for this week, and now we move on to Josh. Who who should we start this week, Josh?
1: I really like that. Seattle as a start, like that's bold. I usually move away from Seattle, but you give me a, a bunch of reasons to actually start them. I don't like – no offense to you, Steve. I know you got Jonathan Taylor, but I really don't like starting the anyone from the Colts just because of – there's so many question marks with Carson Wentz. And if you end up losing because of us, it's only week one. It's a long season, but I really would move away from the cold. So that's, that's a, that's a good prediction, uh, castle. Thank My you. first start is LaVisca Shenault junior from the Jaguars. And he's a fun player. He's probably the most exciting player that you've never heard of. If you don't do fantasy and I'm going to explain why is he's, he's like a Swiss army knife player. He does everything. So if you need a slot guy, he'll be there. If you need an outside guy, he'll be there. If you need a running back, he'll be there. The Jaguars lost Travis Etienne uh, in the beginning days of the training camp, and he was supposed to be their backup running back to James Robinson. And he would have played a little bit of wide receiver. LaVisca Chenault was a rookie last year that broke out because of his ability to do it all. He's got speed. He's got great hands. He can do it all. So he'll line up in the backfield uh, as a running back when James Robinson is off. He'll line up on the outside. He'll line up on the inside. He'll either be a slot guy, outside guy, whatever. He'll probably play some special teams, too, with the chance of him taking one back to the house. So if you're in a PPR league, which most people tend to be, because those are the standard fantasy leagues, then I would suggest starting LaVisca Chennault because he's a sleeper that I think will break out this year because not many people know who he is, but I think this is his year, especially with Trevor Lawrence, who's a very accurate quarterback. It's going to be fun to watch him throw deep balls to LaVisca Chennault. And another guy who broke out this past preseason also is known for his deep ball going for uh, deep touchdowns it's Marquez Callaway from the New Orleans Saints. And I had no idea who he was until the preseason. And he's got a crazy connection going with Jameis Winston. There was one preseason game where they connected for two touchdowns. And they're both probably Sports Center top plays because of how awesome they were. Both of them were traveled at least like 40, 50 yards. And it was like they had Played together for at least like 10 years, just the connection they had. Jameis looked really sharp, and there's a reason why he won the starting job. And Marquez Callaway is the only receiver on the Saints roster because Emmanuel Sanders is now in Buffalo. He's on the Bills, and Michael Thomas is starting the year on the IR. So he's missing the first six games. And Callaway moved up the depth chart to number one. So he'll get his targets. He'll get his reps. So I really don't see how he'll not get points. He'll rack up the points. May not get touchdowns every week, but he'll rack up the points if you need PPR points. So those are my two
0: stardoms. I really like Callaway. I, it's going to be a very interesting season for the Saints, and I saw the highlights from that connection that Winston had with him. And I think this is a revenge season for Winston. So Callaway could be one of the best picks receiver wise for fantasy owners, especially in PPR leagues, Mr. Bonazzo, who are we starting this week.
2: All right. My first one, it might seem somewhat obvious now and last year, but not in the beginning of this season. And it's James Robinson. Obviously, obviously he was out of nowhere last year to go off and, um, A lot of people liked him last year, but then they drafted Etienne. Etienne ended up hurting what was it, his foot or something like that. Um, But Etienne, I mean, or Robinson, now that Etienne's done, he should be the guy that's going to get the bulk of the workload. And he's got an ideal matchup against Houston. Houston, in general, is just a bad team. Their defense is nothing special. So... And I I expect this Jaguars' offense to really be an explosive offense. There's a lot of guys you got to watch out for, especially now with Trevor Lawrence at the helm. Um, So you got to count for him. You got to count for LaVisca, DJ Chark. So there's Marvin Jones. So there's guys. So they can't just eye on James Robinson and just, you know, have three guys on him. You know, you got to... Because now they can actually pass and probably pass well. So... You can't just worry about the run. So I think um, I think James Robinson should James Robinson should have a good week. And then my other one, sorry Frommitz, Robbie Anderson. I mean, coming off a thousand yard season, his first thousand yard season ever. And that was with Teddy Bridgewater. Now he's playing again with Sam Darnold. They already had that chemistry together with the Jets. And I think Darnold. Um, not that Bridgewater's bad. I mean, Bridgewater is a pretty solid quarterback well i think darnold and anderson will go back to their jet days but better with um um who's your offense coordinator something brady joe uh is it joe brady i think joe brady and then um and then matt rule and he's going against the jets who to be honest I'm with I mean, secondary's not the best you got marcus may but not not the strongest unit out there in the league so um, I think they can definitely take advantage of that. And plus, I think him and Darnold are going to want to show some revenge against the Jets. You know, I mean, the Jets kind of gave up on Darnold and drafted Zach Wilson, his replacement, right away, and they're starring him. And then Robbie Anderson obviously left uh, before last season because, I don't know, did they not want to pay him big money like Carolina did? You know, so the same thing. So, I, you know, whether – I don't know how they feel – with a, about the jest, but I'm sure they want to, you know, say, "Hey, you guys made the wrong choice and put up some points against them." So, Robbie Anderson and James Robinson. If you have him, I have Robbie Anderson. It's funny. I don't know if I'm going to start him uh, just because I got a good amount of receivers, like pretty good receivers. So, um, but I might, you know, I might try to put him in somewhere. Um, but if you have him and you don't have the best receiver depth, definitely start him. And then Robinson, same thing. Um, I kind of wish I had Robinson in one of my leagues because my running back depth is not the best. So, you know, he would definitely be a good player for this week. So that's, uh, that's my two stardoms.
0: I'm so glad you said Robbie Anderson. I just drafted him in one of my money leagues. So really happy to hear you say that. And I think Robinson's a solid pick too. I think, you know, Jacksonville with their current situation could be running the ball more. Uh, I don't know, but both solid. Both of you guys had solid picks, but now we got to discuss who, who should be riding the bench. Who should you sit? My first him, this might shock you guys, this might not, sit Saquon Barkley. It, it, it pains me to say it, but I follow the Giants very closely and he hasn't been getting full contact Jabril Peppers was quoted by saying, you know, he was the first guy to hit him when he was doing contact and practice. And he looked pretty well, but not a hundred percent. They're really trying to push him to start against Denver. But even if he does start, I think they're going to be conservative with him. We have Booker now, so he could be splitting some carries with him during the game. I wouldn't, if you absolutely need to start Barkley, then do it. But if you have the depth, If he's a guy that you happen to have in your flex or if you happen to have a bunch of running backs sitting on your bench, do it. And the other running back that you should sit is Najee Harris. I do like Harris. This is not a dig against him. However, they're playing one of the best defenses in the league. The line is new. I could see Ben throwing the ball more, you know, they've got, he's got a nice receiver core Harris could be a little risky. It's his first NFL game. He did look good in the preseason. But again, Buffalo's defense is very, very tough. It's a new offensive line. There could be some, some chemistry issues. It's a very unpredictable game, and I think it's a gamble. So do not start Harris unless you absolutely have to. And those are my two for this week. Josh, who are you suggesting rides to the bench?
1: I never thought I'd hear you say sit Saquon Barkley. Wow.
0: It pains me, but – and I'm starting him because I have to, but it, it's a gamble. Just off of what I'm reading, I don't think he's going to be 100% even if he plays.
1: That's shocking. But I, I do happen to – I do agree. It's bold and it's tough, especially because you are biased a bit. But it is a tough call. So, I do, I do like that. The two I'm sitting – Steve, you might be mad at the first one, but I'm sitting David Montgomery. And it's a, it's a tough call, but the matchup is just not in his favor at all. The Bears are facing the Rams on Sunday Night Football, primetime football, and it's Andy Dalton, that quarterback, instead of Justin Fields. So that already is just a negative for me. Uh, the Rams' defense is just scary. Aaron Donald is probably the best player in football not named Pat Mahomes, double teams just still won't stop him. He's a force in both the pass and the run game. And there's a reason why they were a top five defense last year. Maybe if Fields were starting the game, then I would consider starting him because Fields would allow for more option plays and more of a flexible run game. But because it's Andy Dalton, it's very similar to Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, the boring pocket passers that struggle against, Pass rushers like Aaron Donald, I'm benching him. Plus, last year when they matched up, David Montgomery struggled to get 50 yards. I believe he did have a touchdown, but so that will, that does help fantasy. But without that touchdown, he would have had four points, which is, that's not good for me. So he's riding the bench. I know you, I think you agree with that. I know it's, it's tough, but you, I think you do agree because you, are not stupid, you understand how good the Rams' defense is.
2: I do, and plus, like, week one, you know, Nagy says, oh, we're going to get him 20 carries, blah, 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 But, you know, especially if they start scoring quickly, you can't run the ball, so. Yeah. And then, and now they have Damian Williams and some other, you see? Yeah, I, I agree. It's not a
0: – It's not If you idea. don't
2: have – No, like if you don't – if you have other guys, sit him. If you really don't, I you know, you can start him, but it's probably better to sit him.
1: Yeah, I think that it's a very high chance of a bad week for him as opposed to a good week. And the next one is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. And this one was tough for me, but I think it's the right call because, again, he doesn't have a favorable matchup. And I happen to think he's overrated. He had 97 catches last year, which is good. I'm not discrediting that. He ranked top 10 for catches, but he had 831 yards, and he was ranked 31st among all active receivers and averaged nine yards a catch, which averaged 126th in the league. So catches, they're good for PPR leagues. You'll get your points per catch. But he's facing Tredavious White this weekend, the Buffalo Bills. Tredavious White is no joke. I I face him twice a year. He is locked down. I hate being in the AFC East because every team except the Jets is a lockdown corner. Tredavious White is one of the best in the league for a reason. And Juju Smith is going to have a tough week. And that's no problem for Big Ben because he's got other guys like Claypool and Deontay Johnson. So he has no problem looking their way. He'll get Najee Harris the ball. So he has no problem if Uh, Juju Smith has a bad week so those are my two sits if you have either it's best if they ride your
0: bench this week I'm really glad to hear you say that about Juju because even though I'm not in favor of the Steelers overall I do have Claypool and I've been debating about starting him over someone else so I feel optimistic about that I think both of the I think both of the picks were solid just to add a point very quickly to about your division and uh the loaded um you know secondary gilmore's been on the hot seat a lot to be traded his name's been thrown around to be traded a lot so who knows maybe yeah,
1: and he, he's on the ir to start the year so yeah so i i do i think a trade is going to happen sooner rather than later with him yeah but so. it, it's going to cost whatever team trades for him a is Oh yeah. Gilmore, Gilmore when he was playing in his yeah. Like he's two years ago, he missed all of last year or the year before he played. He was probably people were saying he was the best corner in the league. Oh yeah. So he he's locked down. Now it's Xavier Howard. Now it's Tradavius White. So it's it's a tough division, but White is one of the best for a reason.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely. But love the picks overall. Last but not least, Mr. Bonazzo, who are we sitting this week?
2: So, I just realized one of my sit-ums is not going to be, I can still say it, but it's not going to matter because by the time people listen to this, the game's already going to happen. I forgot about Cowboys playing tonight. So, I I was just saying any of the Cowboys receivers, uh, um, but since that's not going to matter anyways, I'm going to go with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and...
1: I like that a lot. That's actually really smart.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a smart guy when I want to be, you know. But here's the thing. Clyde, last year, that first first game of his career, that Thursday night game against the Texans, I mean, he had 138 rushing yards, a touchdown. It was like, oh, the freaking Chiefs, they hit it again, you know. And then as the season went on, he only had like a couple more 20-point games. And he didn't really rush for that many yards in a lot of those games. So, He's going against a tough Cleveland matchup. That Cleveland defense is good. I mean, they are good. Um, And I just don't – like the Browns, you know, they have Nick Chubb. They have Kareem Hunt. So even if they try to run it back and forth, I just don't see him. Plus, if anything, the Browns are running it a lot. You know, they're going to eat up a lot of time. The uh, the Chiefs are just going to want to go and score quick, you know. Um and that's more their thing is big plays. Um so, and I mean granted the Chiefs did upgrade their O line, but who knows how they're how well they play. Um and I think you know Randy Regis wants Mahomes to sling, sling it to Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, miko Hardman, um, and the other weapons that they have. So, I don't think Clyde is going to have a, a big impact on that game. And then my other sit-up, I had to go with two here, both on the same team. It's Hunter Henry and John U. Smith. And I, I picked the, both of them because whether you have both of them together or you have Hunter Henry or you have uh, John U. Smith, it doesn't matter who you like, sit them um, because who knows. How Belichick's gonna use the two. Who knows? You know, Mac Jones is a rookie, so we don't really know who his like go to target is yet. If he even wants to go to I mean, and think in college, he didn't really have a tight end that he went. I mean, he just went to his receivers, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, John Namechie, I mean, and then his running back, Najee Harris. So he never really had a, a tight end that he always like relied on. So he might not granted Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry are really good tight ends in this league, so he has that. But he might just be more um, you know, positioned to uh, target the receivers on the outside and the running back a little dump off. So we don't know who his targets are. We don't know how Belichick's going to split their time, who goes in when, maybe once a red zone target, and once for, you know, as you're going, driving down the field. We don't know. So I say you got to give it a few weeks so you can kind of get a good – Idea of you know who's kind of making the you know name for themselves. It's kind of weird that they signed both. Um, you know if, if they when they first signed Hunter Henry, yeah, I would say they start him. You know the Patriots other tight ends, but now that they have both, it's it's a tough choice to decide. So you don't want to you know play one of them and then they're barely playing, they're barely getting targeted, and then you lose because your tight end spot pretty much had no points, and they're going against a tough Miami secondary. So It's not an ideal matchup and any question marks with it. So I think the safe bet is to uh, just keep them on your bench and then play another tight end.
1: So, yeah, that one's tough with me. I actually, I think I disagree with your tight ends for New England only because they really don't have any receivers. So I think they'll use their two tight ends kind of like they did with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez when they really didn't have receivers
2: yeah, and I, I agree.
1: So it's tough because yeah, obviously one is going to be favored more than the other, and you don't know which one it is yet. So I'd
2: probably,
0: well,
1: I, so I would probably sit for now until you see who's the established number one.
2: Well, that's what I was thinking. You know, like at least give it definitely this week and you know a few more weeks just to see kind of who, like you said, who's um because obviously Gronk and Aaron Hernandez were, you know, probably the top. You could say you know maybe not top two. I mean Gronk was the Best guy in the league during his prime in New England. Then Aaron Hernandez was, you know, really solid. Uh, but you knew Gronk was the main guy, and then Aaron Aaron Hernandez was uh that guy who can still be a threat. <laughs> well, <laughs> no uh no pun intended. That's a little you know, a little messed up, but whatever. Um
0: we know it's coming from a good place, Stevie. It's yeah.
2: All- I didn't I didn't do anything, it's all on him, so but uh
0: no go ahead finish what you're gonna say
2: so yeah so i'm just saying you know who knows with new england their offense is completely different from last year i mean they're not gonna be you know Mac jones they can actually sit back and throw with they got so many new receivers they traded michelle Sonny, sonny michelle so there's so much change with the Patriots offense. It's just tough to tell what it'll be like and who gonna, who's going to be the main guy or guys. So I think you give it a little time and then, you know, in the next couple of weeks, you'll kind of start getting a good idea who's, uh who's going to be the main target, especially with the tight ends.
0: I happen to agree more towards you, Stevie. I think that the whole tight end situation – in New England's a little messy. I do see your point, Josh, about how they utilize Bronk and Hernandez. But I think it's even more interesting now with a rookie quarterback in the mix. And I think it's going to be that. But about, I think rookie
1: quarterbacks, I think, would favor a bigger tight end more as opposed to receivers. Right. Especially no, because I, of, especially I, I agree a cornerback wouldn't be guarding.
2: But, he, again, at Alabama, he didn't have, like, a tight end threat. So, he, you know, he's used to, like, the smaller guys on the outside. And especially, like, Devontae Smith – you know, he's long, but he was kind of skinny. Jim and Waddle, you know, smaller in size. So, and granted, those got out, you know, their first-round picks and played at Alabama and stuff like that. Um, But he didn't have, like, a, a big tight end target like a lot of these other college quarterbacks do. Um, He was used to just his guys on the outside. And then, obviously, Najee here's in the backfield. So, I think he's just kind of accustomed to that. And even if he tries to break out of that, you know, he still might find himself just... Targeting the guys on the outside, you know. I, again, it's completely different. It's a whole new team, new scheme, new system, new coaches. But he's still deep down, you know, might be ingrained and in just dumping off the running back or targeting that.
0: Yeah, I. It's going to be very interesting. The whole New England situation. I think a lot of people are going to be watching out for. There's a lot of question marks. Potential is is pretty good. You know, Belichick is still Belichick. So we got to see a lot of good football, not only coming up this week, but this whole season. It's going to be a huge part of the show. But that's all the time we have for today. If you've stuck with us up to this point, we know this was one of our longer episodes, but we really, really appreciate you listening. Just a quick uh, couple shout-outs as usual. I want to give a shout-out to our partner, Wild Chat Sports, great organization they're always pumping out great content great podcasts great guests so go check it out we're excited about the partnership with them and what's to come in the future and we also want to give a shout out to our head of social media tj hummel great guy he's doing some great things for the page hopefully you guys will get to meet him one day one of these episodes we'll get him on he's a big football guy big hockey guy so he could bring a lot of good content and until next time We'll see you. Big football episode next week. We'll still be following baseball. A lot of content to come. So stay tuned. Big things from the three-peat this season.